I'm Angie Greenspan. I am 39 years old. I am originally from the suburbs of Detroit, and I am a realtor and currently during COVID also a full-time stay-at-home mom doing both, and it's super fun. My name is Sam Greenspan. I'm 41. Yeah, 41. I'm originally from the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio, and I am a writer. Sam and I met 11 years ago, and we got married seven years ago. We dated for three and a half years, and I would describe our relationship with one word being easy. Welcome to Our Love Story, a Spotify original from Parcast. Every week, a real couple recounts how they met, how they fell in love, and the biggest moments of their relationship. Now, let's hear their love story. I met Angie at the tail end of my big dating years, which were about 14 really aggressive months of dating. Up until that point, I had been in one other relationship in adult life, and yeah, that was that was my dating life. Before I met Sam, I dated quite a bit, and I was a Hollywood cocktail waitress back then, so my dating pool was a lot of guys who weren't interested in serious relationships. Like, a lot of guys who were, like, in their early 30s and still couldn't call me their girlfriend because they were, like, that afraid of commitment. So I was definitely, like, ready to meet someone who, A, could could say, you know what, I want to be your boyfriend and, and maybe eventually be more. Angie and I met the way that most people meet, which was through a co-ed adult kickball league. Adult meaning adults played, not like it was nude. And we were at this bar for this end of the season party and someone introduced us because we both had comedy backgrounds and we just got to talking from there. I have a very distinct memory of instantly just like loving having a conversation with Sam. We were standing at the bar talking. You know, we both like had just ordered a drink and we were talking. And it was just like the most fun conversation. He was so funny. Yeah, I was immediately drawn to him on like a personality. And like, I thought he was super cute. So it was a really great first combo. Our first date was really funny because during our conversation, so we actually, we had chatted on BlackBerry Messenger. This takes you back to how long we've been together. But like, we kind of really hit it off in BlackBerry Messenger going back and forth. So our first date came after like, all day long messages for a couple weeks. And we had both realized in these messages back and forth that we had both been contestants on game shows. And we both had copies of those game shows on VHS. <laughs> and so we decided for our first date, we were going to watch each other's game shows. <laughs> and so we watched the episode of me winning on The Price is Right and Sam losing on a quiz bowl show, like a local Cleveland quiz bowl show. So one of us had a much cooler game show experience than the other. In my defense, it was really one of the other guys on my team who really sank that quiz bowl hopes. 
But yes, yours was a cooler. Yours was a cooler show. <laughs> we split a bottle of wine or two and watched each other's game shows. And it was really fun. It was just like a really fun first date. So pretty shortly after we started dating, Sam had surgery. He had torn his ACL and meniscus and had surgery to repair it. And I worked at nights, and so I had my days free. And so I basically would just go over and hang out and sit on his couch, like, almost every day, all day long. And sort of, I wasn't, like, nursing him back to help, but just, like, kind of kicking it and keeping him company. So it was this kind of like expediated dating experience, like how people when they live in a house together in a reality show could like fall in love quickly because it's not like you go on three hour dates five times. You're just like spending eight hours a day with somebody every day. Yeah, I would say it started with Angie coming over for like a little bit just to drop by. And then the stay started getting longer and longer to the point where she was spending all of her time on the couch with us, she would go and do something and then she'd come back and hang out with me more. So yeah, it really got to the point from, you know, a few hours right after I had my surgery to almost all day long within two weeks. If I recall correctly about our first kiss, it was not on our first date. It was the next time we went on a date, which was in an afternoon for some reason. I had gone over to Angie's house spending the day hanging out. We went out to lunch and then we went back to her house and there, right in the middle of her living room at like two in the afternoon, we had our first kiss. And I remember her saying that it was really awkward that we had our first kiss like that. See, this is why I disagree because part of our story is that we met and dated for like a month and then I said I wasn't really feeling it. And then we had like a month where we didn't date and then we got back together. But in the beginning, I remember making out on the couch with you after that wine during our game show stint because we watched National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation and made out during it because that movie just really turns me on. I disagree. I, I feel like that you're thinking of another date we did at my house where we watched an even more romantic movie, which was Jurassic Park 2. That was at my house. No, we watched Jurassic Park 3 at your house. Clearly, we don't know when our first kiss was, but we've watched some really great films together. <laughs> I'd say the biggest hurdle that we had to get over was when Angie dumped me. Uh, if I had to, had to say one was a hurdle, I guess that was the big one. We had been dating about a month, and it was interesting because... I liked her so much and was so determined not to screw it up that I wound up screwing it up because I was so nervous and always walking on eggshells, just being overly cautious, you know, not ever feeling comfortable. And she definitely got that vibe. And so after about a month of that, I could tell things weren't going well, but I kept trying. And then she cut it off when I had asked her if she wanted to go on a date with me to see another great movie, which was the Notorious B.I.G. biopic Notorious. And she said, you know what? I'm really not feeling this. And I think she meant the relationship, not Notorious. But we've never watched it since. I think it's a cursed movie for us. However, shortly after that, she reached back out to me. I was pretty, pretty upset and pretty hurt. But she reached back out to me and we reestablished contact, you know, a few weeks later, got back to talking a bit. And then one day when we were just, again, 
exchanging messages on BlackBerry Messenger, she said, you know, I think I may have messed this up. And we got to talking from there and it was right back on the next day. Yeah, I wasn't getting the vibe that we were into each other in like the physical way that I was used to having on these dates with these guys where that's basically all that was there. It's like you go through a lot of your adult life and it's just like there's so much physical attraction to these other people and that's all it is. So I wasn't used to being with somebody that like the other things took over before that, if that makes any sense. Like I'm physically attracted to him, but it was like so personality driven that I was like, is this, I don't know, maybe I'm not that into him. I don't know. And I was also still kind of hung up on the guy that I dated before him. And I never had like closure with that, even though it wasn't even a real relationship. I kind of just met him one month too early, I think. So I ended things and like a month later, I was like, oh my gosh, I really miss hanging out with Sam. He was so funny. He's so smart. Like, I just love being around him. I think I messed up. I remember texting my roommate, like, I think I messed up. But it obviously all worked out. I don't have a specific reason why I knew Sam was the one, but I do remember the moment that I realized, like, he is the one. And it's really weird, but... (laughs) We both loved the song No Air by Chris Brown and Jordan Sparks. (laughs) This is so stupid. Uh, You know, how am I supposed to breathe with no air? We tried to karaoke it once years later. It was terrible. I messed it all up. But I was in my car driving alone and that song came on and I just got like overwhelmed by emotion, feeling so like excited about this song making me think about the guy that I was dating. And I was like, oh my God, if I feel so much just listening to this song, I feel like he's the one. And I texted my roommate, I think I'm going to marry Sam. And she's like, really? That's amazing. (laughs) I knew Angie was the one because she told me. And, And I know that sounds weird, but I had not really thought about it. But I remember very early on after things were going really well and we were just having a conversation and I remember her saying something to the effect of like, yeah, I think this is I think this is going to go the distance or something like that. And it, it just made me realize, oh, wow, I think she's right. I think this is. And it's not that I couldn't have gotten there on my own, but just hearing her say that put it on the table for me. Because I guess until you're there, you, you never fully think about that for real. Like when you date someone, you're always like, oh, I wonder if we could get married. But it never became like a reality till... I heard her say that, and then it, like, flipped a switch in my brain. I was like, this is a reality. We are at that point in our lives, and this is the person who I'm going to get married to. I think she's right. As for our proposal, I had been planning to propose for quite a while. The ring acquisition process was a long and arduous one. I really just didn't know how to go about it or where to begin. And eventually, though, I set my mind to it. I went, I got a ring, I kept it hidden. And then Angie and I were taking a trip. It was in December around the holidays. We were taking a trip up to this charming little Danish community in central California called Solvang. And we we're going to do like a wine tasting. And then I brought the ring with me. So I had this giant ring box in my pocket and I kept trying to hide it from her all day. And I don't think she saw it. And then finally, that night, as we were walking back to our hotel, I said, hey, let's go this way. And I tried to take her through this park where there was a 
next gazebo and she didn't want to go through the park and I was like come on let's just walk through the park and I think that probably tipped her off because I'm not really a guy who walks through parks but I think that probably tipped her off so we went and we sat down at the gazebo and I had had this whole spiel that I had really planned out I mean not word for word planned out but I had thought about this quite a bit and you know, it fell apart almost immediately. And as I was proposing to her, I started crying in the most emotional moment of my life up to that point. And she was very excited to, I think, and said yes. And then I gave her the ring and yeah, that was it. I just remember feeling just really so happy. It's like the warmest, fuzziest feeling. Our wedding was in the summer. We did it up in an area called Santa Margarita, which is, again, in Central California, roughly halfway between Los Angeles and San Francisco. We invited quite a few people to our wedding, but it was a difficult travel endeavor. You'd have to fly into a larger city, rent a car, etc., etc. So we wound up having about 100 people there, And our wedding was really, really fantastic. We planned everything well. The only problem was that uh, the temperature on our wedding day was quite literally 30 degrees higher than the all-time high in that area in history for that day. So at the moment that our wedding began, it was 109 degrees outside for our outdoor wedding. We had people go down, we had a bridesmaid go down, we had a couple of people who had to leave, we had one of my good friends, uh, his parents who were at our wedding, she got sick and threw up from the heat, this poor, this poor woman. So that was kind of a disaster for a minute, but then the wedding was saved by two things. One, Angie had the foresight I mean, not knowing what the weather would be, but uh, our plan was to have an ice cream truck come halfway through, and that really saved the day. And then we were also saved by the sun finally going down a little bit, taking things down to a much more comfortable, like, 95. And then we could all relax. I think if we had to do it all over again, I'm not sure we would have picked such a difficult location for our wedding. It's like now that we've been to so many weddings and we realize how difficult it is for people to just like pick up their lives and travel to a wedding like that. We wanted a wedding that was difficult to get to because we wanted like, oh, it'll be a fun getaway. But like, it's so expensive to travel to people's weddings like that. Now, granted, like if you don't want to come or you can't pay for it, like no hard feelings. Don't come to our wedding. It's fine. But, you know, those really close friends feel like they're obligated to. So I feel like now I'm a little bit less selfish and I probably would have plan things a little differently if we were to get married today. I feel like I'm a little, you know, we're older now and like have different priorities, but you can't think that way when you're younger and planning something. We wanted to do a cool wedding and this met our vision for exactly what our cool wedding would be. So, you know, I'd like to think that, yeah, we'd want to do a cool wedding again, but we are much more practical now. I think that having kids makes you more practical about the way you throw parties and spend money and what you ask of people. Sam and I were pretty 
intense about getting super skinny for our wedding day. Well, as you see, those pictures of all the pictures in your life are going to stick with you forever. So you might as well look as good as you possibly can for those pictures. Yeah, I don't think anyone's like, wow, you guys tried to look skinny for your wedding. That's weird. It's it's a normal thing people do. But we went extreme and did a soup diet like the week leading up to our wedding. It's this crazy, ridiculous diet where you basically eat soup all day and plus one or two other weird things. Like one day it's like you eat soup all day and you can also have bananas and milk. Like what? Anyway, I think the internet made it up. I guarantee the internet made it up. (laughs) So we did the soup diet for like a week and the morning we were ready to leave to drive up to our wedding weekend, I felt so lightheaded. I hadn't eaten anything yet that morning. We were packing up the car with all of our stuff, you know, like our luggage, everything we needed for the wedding, the dress, the whole shebang. And as like, I was walking down our driveway to get into our car, I fainted. Oh no, I was in the car when I fainted. That's right. I walked around the driveway, sat down in the car and blacked out and apparently was like out for long enough. His parents had already come to town also. They couldn't wake me up. And so I woke up to an ambulance arriving and I was soaking wet. Like my first thought was, why did I pee my pants? Because like I felt like my pants were soaked. Well, it turned out Sam had like dumped an entire bottle of water on me to try to like wake me up. So I was just like soaking wet, so confused. I thought I had napped in the car and peed my pants. Like that was my very first thought. I was like, how did I nap in the car and why did I pee my pants? So yeah, I rode away in an ambulance the Thursday before our wedding weekend to the hospital and I remember the nurse going like, oh, I get it. You're one of those brides who tried to get skinny for your wedding. Yeah, I was just a fat bride. Who cares? She's like, but good for you for trying. (laughs) I was like, okay. Anyway, everything was fine and it made for a good story. Yeah, then we're about three hours later than we had expected. We're now on the road up to our wedding. So we went on our honeymoon a few months after the wedding uh, in December of that year. We went to New Zealand and we spent about a week in New Zealand. And then we went to the Cook Islands, which are near New Zealand. And we spent about a week there. We did all the all the things. We, we made honeymoon friends. And then we went to the Cook Islands and just hung out at a resort and on the beach where they have a lot of mangy stray dogs on their beautiful beaches. And yeah, it was a lovely honeymoon. I think what I love most about Zam is like he's really, really just kind and empathetic. I mean, there are moments where I'll be telling him a story about someone and like he like really feels for that person. He has a ton of empathy and it's one of my favorite things about him. He's also really good at communicating, which is, you know, a gender stereotype that men are not great at that. And Sam from the get go has always been really good at talking about how he feels and he's not closed off at all. So yeah, I love that about him. I think what I love the most about Angie is just what a good and kind-hearted person she is in all situations. She does the little things that everyone wishes they would do, but she actually goes ahead and does them. Like she'll see a message from someone who it's their birthday and everyone's at work and Angie will go over to their house to spend their birthday with them or go out to lunch with them. Or everyone talks about trying to help the planet, but Angie will actually take the steps and start getting us metal straws and 
composting in our house, even though it smells terrible and drips everywhere, because she actually does the things that everyone wishes they would do, and it bleeds over into everything she does, and everything she tries to do, and it's just really impressive to watch, and something that I admire about her and wish that I could do even more of. I think the thing I'm most excited about for our future is just getting to be together while watching our kids grow. Sam has always been one of the most amazing people I've ever known, and he's an incredible dad. And seeing him with our kids and how it grows and changes him and us together as a couple, I'm just excited for that. And I'm also excited for our kids to get older and to get pieces of our old relationship back, which, you know, you kind of lose when your kids are young because you just physically don't have the time to do that. So not saying I want to rush my kids into growing up, but I do think that that's part of something I'm looking forward to is when they're a little older and Sam and I can feel more like ourselves as we used to feel in our relationship, but, you know, also different. The thing I'm looking forward to the most about my future with Angie is very similar to what I think she's looking forward to with me, which is just seeing how our relationship continues to grow and evolve as different stages of our family grows and gets older, the kids get older, we get older, and we just continue to go through all the milestones in life together and see how it redefines us and how our relationship changes and grows, but still has all of its fundamental strengths behind it. And we just get to apply them in these new situations and getting to experience all of these new things together with our relationship as the rock behind all of that. Thanks for listening to our love story. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and on Twitter at ParCast Network. For more episodes of Our Love Story, follow us on Spotify. And check out other ParCast originals, all available on Spotify. Our Love Story is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from ParCast. It was created by John Cohen. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Jamie Ryan. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and associate produced by Alex Trigvedotter.